Hallelujah. Well, if you have your Bibles, I hope you have your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Tonight I'm going to talk about growing pains. Growing pains. And by the way, if you don't have your Bible, you, if you have an iPhone or an iPad or some type of smart device, you can access our message through the YouVersion Bible app. It's got all the verses, all the notes. Um, and I actually would highly recommend that to you tonight because we're going to be moving pretty quick and we've got uh, quite a bit uh, that we're going to cover. And, um, you know, as I was preparing this lesson, I was like, man, this is a lot for a Wednesday night. So we'll just see where God goes. And if it's a lot, if it's if we need to run into uh, next week, then we will. But uh, I want to talk to you about spiritual growth, spiritual growth, growing pains. How many of you know it's important to grow up? And, uh, you know, the exciting thing is, is, you know, Paul did this a lot. He he alluded the body of Christ to. Uh, our physical bodies. He used this a whole lot. And, you know, so a lot of the similarities that we see in our own bodies, we can carry over even to spiritual growth. And, um, you know, just like we had Luke Allen born today, uh, I know that David and Carrie do not plan on leaving him in the hospital. Uh, they plan on taking him home and helping him do what? Grow. Grow. But at the state he's in uh, currently... Uh, uh, Luke, I'm speaking of, you know, he's in a, a state that probably is going to need a lot of help. I'd imagine he's not brushing his teeth yet. I, I don't think he's reading and writing. Um, you know, I don't think he's communicating very well at this point uh, outside of just crying your face off because that's what babies do. Um, but uh, so there's some help that's in that's needed. There's some development that's necessary, some training that has to take place. But how many of you believe that little Luke, and this is perfect how it just lined up this way. I wasn't planning this at all. But how many of you believe that Luke has a purpose on his life? Amen. God's got a destiny for him. God's got a plan. Jeremiah 29. I know the plans that I have for you. God is a planner. And uh, Luke wasn't a surprise to anybody, especially God. In fact, God knew about Luke uh, way before David and Carrie even thought about having Luke. And um, so there's a purpose and there's a destiny, but these things have to be developed. There's a lot of potential, but potential is stored energy. Potential is something that is packed away somewhere. and We've got to do the right things and get it in the right environment and, and go through the right development to pull that out. And so we're going to talk about spiritual growth. And there's some points that I want to make. Number one. Spiritual growth in the word of God and by God himself is an expectation. God expects us to grow up spiritually. Look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in verse 1. It says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So what's he saying? There's a differentiation here. There's some things that I want to tell you, but I can't because you are in a baby stage. You're at babyhood. Now, the only issue with this is that this is about anywhere from four to seven years after Paul initially planted this church. 
Okay, Paul planted this church and then a, a, a man named Apollos came in and uh, Paul turned the church over to him because that's what Paul did. He was an apostle. So he started new works and then placed people over it. And then Paul went out and started other works. So now he's coming back. Uh, we know just from the time frame of when Paul planted the church and when he wrote uh, the book of Corinthians, the first Corinthians here, that it's anywhere from four to seven years. So in that time span... He is expecting these guys to have grown up to a certain level. What level was that? Look at verse 2. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. You, you, you don't give babies steak. I, I hope Dave is not in there saying, all right, it's time for his first feeding. Let me run out Chick-fil-A and get some chicken nuggets. I'll tell you what, he's probably going to scarf those, dang, th- th- those things down in maybe about two to four years. But right now, we can't start there. We've got to start with milk. He says, uh, I-, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able, for you are still carnal. Still Carnal. The, 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 the greatest way that we can explain the word carnal is immature Christian. The world is, is, everybody in the world is one of three people. You are either not born again, not saved, living in the world. You are either born again, spiritual, saved, or you're carnal, which is a spiritual person that still lives like a worldly person. And so he has said here, look, we've we've got the new birth experience. We're in the kingdom of God. You are not a citizen in the kingdom of God, but you're still living like the world. And he goes on and he says there's envies and there's strife. There's gossiping taking place. There's jealousies. This stuff shouldn't be happening. He's coming back with a different expectation. He says, I'm actually expecting to come back to a group that I should be able to give you solid food. Solid food is for more mature people. And he says, we're still stuck on the milk. So, number one, we see that spiritual growth is an expectation. I want to read this to you in the Amplified Version. I think it really breaks it open. He says, however, brethren, I could not talk to you as to spiritual men. Notice that even your communication is limited by what stage you are at in spiritual growth. Even what can be communicated to you. I could not talk to you as spiritual, but as to non-spiritual men of the flesh in whom the carnal nature predominates. That means reigns, has control. As to mere infants in the new life in Christ, unable to talk yet. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not yet strong enough to be ready for it. But even yet, you are not strong enough to be ready for it. You are still unspiritual, having the nature of the flesh under the control of ordinary impulses. For as long as there are envying and jealousy and wrangling and and, and, and factions among you, are you not unspiritual and of the flesh? Behaving yourselves after a human standard and like mere unchanged men. You've been changed, yet you still behave like guys that... Haven't been changed. You're still behaving like the world that you've been set free from is what he's identifying here. So Paul had an expectation 
to find the church in a different state than he left them when he originally started this based upon the time period uh, over in Hebrews chapter five, Hebrews chapter five, we see some more communication. And I'm just going to let you know, we're kind of we'll reiterate some of these verses. I'm going to pull different points. So we'll come back to first Corinthians and we'll come back to Hebrews. But in Hebrews chapter five, verse 12, the writer of Hebrews goes on to pretty much explain nearly the same thing. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, ought to be. Should be. What's that mean? There's an expectation. You ought to be. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again, again, the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So once again, we're identifying a difference in stages. You were born as a baby and you've remained a baby. By this time, you ought to be teaching others, but you're having to still be fed the same stuff yourself. We haven't grown up. What's this showing us that there is an expectation of growth? One more over in Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. Amen. God's word is good. And when we can lay a foundation, it really begins to clarify some stuff. Ephesians chapter four. We'll just start with verse 11. It says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, And teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to a perfect man. Everybody say perfect Perfect. to a perfect man. Now that word perfect doesn't mean you never blow it. You never mess up. That word perfect can be translated mature. Mature. To a mature man. What's that identify? There needs to be some growth. To the measure of the stature of the fullness, not the halfness, the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, watch this, may grow up in all things, not some things, not a few things, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body. So as we grow individually, the body of Christ grows as a whole. So we've all got a responsibility to grow. So number one, spiritual growth is an expectation. I like to put it this way. Anything living should be growing. Anything living should be going. Well, we've got the life of Christ living inside of us. So that should be producing some growth patterns. We should be seeing some maturity take place as a result of God's life, new life now being within us. Uh, Paul referred to uh, the, the nature of man 
as dead until we knew Christ. Dead. That means futile. That means ineffective, unproductive, not producing. If something is dead, it's not giving anything away. But things that are living ought to be growing. So number one, we see that there's an expectation for spiritual growth. Number two, I want to point out that we all begin at the same level. Turn over to John chapter three. John chapter three. John chapter three. We all begin at the same level spiritually. In John chapter three and verse one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, that means teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is what? Born again, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Born again. What's this tell us? Fresh start. Clean slate. When you come into the kingdom of God, we all come in as babies. Now, look, there's probably a lot of us that, naturally speaking, we wish we could start this thing all over again. (laughs) Let me be born again, naturally. Let me get a redo in life. Well, he just gave you a redo spiritually. You get to be born Again, so that means if you're born, nobody's born as an adult. Nobody's born as a teenager. Nobody comes into the kingdom already having an idea of what this thing is already about. You are born again. You are a baby in the spirit. And so we all begin at the same level. And that should be encouraging. It doesn't matter if you're 65 years old and you get born again for the first time. Or if you're three years old and you're, you're, you're born again, they really understand what's going on. It doesn't matter if you're 20. It doesn't matter how bad you messed up. Come on. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what's behind. We're just pressing on. Paul said, pressing on towards the goal, the high calling. Second Timothy or second Corinthians, second Corinthians, chapter five, verse 17. We know this one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation, new creature. That word new uh, 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 means something that has never existed before. Something that has never existed before. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things. So everyone say all things. All things have become new. All things have become new. We come in with a fresh start, a clean slate. But that means we come in immature. Immature. That means we come in at the stage of a baby. And babies have to be helped. Through everything. 
See, we, we, we've got to be careful in our churches that we're not just getting people born again, getting people saved and then leaving them at the altar. That's that would be the same thing as having a baby and leaving them in the hospital and never taking care of them. They need to be cared for. They need to be directed and guided. They need to have someone come alongside them and help them eat and help them do things that Christians do, not what the world does. So we see there's an expectation. There's an expectation that we grow up spiritually. And when we are born again, we all begin, we all start, we all come in to the kingdom at the same level. Spiritual growth is not an event, but a process. Spiritual growth is not an event. And and see, we've turned it into an event. You come down to the altar. I mean, you can write it down in your Bible the day you got saved, the day you got born again. But this thing is a process. This thing is ongoing. I'm constantly maturing. I'm constantly changing my thinking. I'm constantly renewing my mind. I'm constantly doing things in my life to get rid of the old life and take on the new life. It's not an event, but a process. Nothing grows simply because it exists. Nothing grows simply because it exists. We've got to take some steps. Number three, nothing grows simply because it exists. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Verse 1. Pulling out some of our popular verses here tonight. Romans chapter 12. Verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. You present. You present. Your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So number one, we've seen that spiritual growth is an expectation. Number two, we've seen that we all come into the kingdom as babies. So we've all got the same stages, the same phases, the same levels of growth that we've got to take on. And now we see that nothing grows simply because it exists. That means I've got to do some work. Spiritual growth is deliberate. Spiritual growth is deliberate. Spiritual growth does not happen by accident. Spiritual growth doesn't happen just because you get in the right environment. That's good. That's great. That's a great place to start is finding a church, getting in church, getting in the word. But there are some deliberate steps that I have to take to grow up spiritually, to continue to mature in the word. Spiritual growth is determined by attention and intention. Spiritual growth is determined by attention, giving attention to God's word and intention, taking intentional steps, intentional moments in your life that will cause you to grow to the next level. Causing anything to grow takes work. It doesn't matter if you're talking about children. It doesn't matter if you're talking about uh, 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 plants, crops. It takes work. It doesn't just happen on its own. 
There are deliberate steps and deliberate processes that take place that allow us to grow up spiritually. And I want you to see this as well. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility. We don't ask God to grow us up. We don't ask God to mature us. We ask God to reveal his word to us. We ask God to uh, uh, open things up. But it's our responsibility to get in it. It's our responsibility to feed off of it. It's our responsibility to grow up spiritually. Amen. Spiritual growth is determined by attention and intention. So I want to show you three things tonight. Three things that are necessary for spiritual growth. Three things that are necessary really for any growth. And again, you know, we can apply this to our own lives. How a child matures and grows into an adult. As we go through these steps, you'll see, wow, I've done that in my own life. I've gone through these steps even just naturally. Three things that are necessary for spiritual growth. This is what I want to point out to you tonight. Number one is food. You don't, nothing grows if you don't feed it. We've got to have food. You've got to feed it. I mean, crops, you've got to feed them. Human beings, you've got to feed them. Animals, you've got to feed them. Anything that you don't feed dies. Anything you don't feed dies. So we see here that food is necessary. And Peter talked about this in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all, speak, and, and all evil speaking. What's that? That's the worldly life. That's what I used to do. That's how I used to talk. That's how I used to act. I'm laying aside all the worldly pleasures, all the worldly deeds, all the worldly uh, things that came to me automatically. I didn't have to think about it. I could cuss somebody out in two seconds. I didn't have to stop and think about, do I want to do that? What should I say? Which words should I use? It's automatic. You walked in hate towards people. You didn't, you didn't think about others before, you didn't think about others before yourself. This is the world. But he says here, lay aside all these things as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may what? Grow thereby. The intake of the word of God, even in the milk form and the milk stage, causes us to grow. What's this mean? I've got to grow where I'm at. I've got to eat what I can. I've got to take what I can get. Like I said, you're not giving babies steak. We can't start trying to get newborn believers to start chewing on deep doctrinal theological Debates and questions. That's the wrong thing to feed them. What are you going to do? You're going to choke them. You're going to choke them. They're going to, they're going to regurgitate that. They're going to spit that right back up. It's not going to get anywhere. But when we can get them the milk of the word. What's that? The word in the elementary fundamental stage. Fundamental principles of the word. Why do you believe what you believe? What is prayer? Who is the Holy Spirit? Why did Jesus come? We've got to define just the basic fundamental things. What are you doing as a baby? We are building a foundation. We're building a foundation. And that's what we have to understand with babes in Christ, newborn babes, newborn believers that come into the kingdom. We've got to lay a foundation. You can't be building on something that's shaky. We saw over in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, do not be children 
tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. What do we got to do? We got to get planted in the word of God, not trying to chase the next coolest thing. That's a sign of immaturity. I mean, if you, I don't know if you've noticed children, but they have very short attention spans. Things only occupy them for a certain amount of time. Well, it's the same thing with believers. If we're not careful, we can just start chasing after certain things rather than really going after what's beneficial, what's really going to feed us, what's really going to make sure that we are getting the best in us. Amen. Let's go back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're talking about spiritual growth. This is what's necessary. These things are necessary if we're going to grow up spiritually. And all three of them are. It's not just one or the other or, hey, I got two out of three. All three of these things are necessary if we are going to see growth in our lives spiritually. Does anybody in this room want to go to the next level with God? Anybody want to continue growing, keep adding, keep, keep processing, keep adding to what God has called me to do? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, And I, brethren, again, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk. So Paul did right. He said, man, well, I, I, tried, I tried that steak out on you and it just didn't work out. So let's go back. No, he says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food because you couldn't receive it. For now, until now, you were not able to receive it. But here's the problem. Even now. There ought to be a time where we are able to add to see a progression in our diet equals a progression in our growth. And what you're taking in. Will determine what level you grow to. And when God's trying to move us to the next level, we've got to start trying to add some things to our diet. No longer can we just remain on the milk. Now, look, the fundamental thing, I still drink milk to this day. I love milk. I drink milk with almost, I would drink milk with almost everything. I drink milk with stuff that you'd probably find disgusting. But I just, I love milk. But I'm not just living off of milk. As a 31-year-old adult, I don't have a, a baby bottle sitting, you know, somewhere. I grab one of Camden Sippy Cups and I just fill it up with milk and just go to town. No, we're, we're getting some. Yeah, I know it sounds funny, but yet we've got people that have been in church for a while, but haven't allowed themselves to grow to the next level. They're still sipping on the bottle. They're still just satisfied with the milk. And hey, we got to go deeper because as we progress in our diet, we can progress in our growth. Our diet is important. Hebrews chapter five. Go back over there again. Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 12, it begins, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers. Ought to be. I mean, that just, there's, there's an identification. I mean, it, it, there's no set time frame. There's no, all right, in three years we ought to be able to do this. It, it's not like that. It, it's really up to you. I mean, I, I know some teenagers that are spiritually stronger than some adults because they've chosen to get in the word and they've chosen to feed themselves spiritually, whereas an adult has neglected that. 
But this writer says here, I'm looking based upon what I see, based upon how much has been put in you. See, this is what I tell uh, 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 our, our staff all the time is I demand based upon what I've put in. I can withdraw based upon what I know I've deposited. If I go to the bank tomorrow and put in one hundred dollars, I ought to be able to go back sometime next week and withdraw one hundred dollars. I would like to withdraw 100. Well, I'm sorry, sir. There's only $70 here. Well, why? I want to know. Because based upon what's been invested, I should be able to reap. And I don't, I don't ask for more than I've put in. And so this writer here is identified based upon what I know has been put in you, has been laid inside of you, what's been invested in your life, what you have received, what you've taken in. We ought to be at it. You ought to be teaching at this point. But yet you're still having to be taught what the fundamental principles. The first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk. How sad that is that we have adults that ought to be eating meat and they need milk. And they can't even eat The solid food you need milk and not solid food for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. That's very particular. That's very important. And we'll hit that in just a minute. uh, uh, Partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of unrighteousness for he is a babe. But solid food, solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason. Of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Even as we grow, we cannot abandon the fundamental truths, the fundamental principles of the Word of God. Yet there is an expectation to be able to feed on and take in more. And the progression of our diet determines the progression. Of our growth. Amen. Number two. This is the fun one. Number two. The second thing that is necessary. As we grow up spiritually. As we uh, continue to develop in our spiritual growth. Is correction. Correction. I don't know any child. That has not had to be corrected. At some point in their life. In fact it, it came pretty quick. Maybe it's, it's amazing what you tell uh, a, a child not to do before they even turn the age of one. I mean, I was just blown away by that. You know, I like the way one minister put it. He says, you don't have to teach your children to say no. <laughs> no. No. I'm not doing it. You don't have to teach them that one. They got that one already. They got that one down pat thanks to Adam and the fall of man and all that good stuff. And so within the nature of man... We understand that if we're going to grow up spiritually, correction is necessary. Look at this in John chapter 15. John chapter 15. John chapter 15 is Jesus's communication. I am the vine. You are the branch. And look what he says. I am the true vine. Verse one. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. 
So the question is, do you want to be cut off or cut away? (laughs) Do you want to have some stuff cut away off of your life or do you want to be cut off altogether? But cutting comes. The cutting is necessary. And the cutting does what? Allows for more fruit to be produced. Correction isn't just correction. Correction has a purpose. And correction allows me to produce more in return. There's some things I got to let go of. Every stage and every level that we grow to, there are some things that we have to let go of before we get to the next level. If I'm going to be... Uh, effective at the next level, I'm going to have to strip off some things. I'm going to have to strip off some mentalities. I'm going to have to strip off some habits. I'm going to have to strip off what I do with my time. I've got to let some things go. There's some correction. There's some cutting away that's got to take place. Why? So I can produce more. So I can produce more. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Going back over. I know you're, you're doing a lot of flipping. Don't turn any, don't rip any pages. Just go slowly. But Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to look at verse 5. Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 5, we're talking about what is necessary for spiritual growth. Food is necessary. Our diet determines our level of growth. Correction is necessary. Hebrews chapter 12, verse Five And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Look, just the fact that correction comes into your life identifies God loves me. And he doesn't want me to continue doing what I'm doing. And scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are are illegitimate and not sons. You're not even in the family if there's no chastening or correction showing up. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live for they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the president and we can all say amen, but it's painful. Nevertheless, Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Holiness unto righteousness. What does that mean? You are righteous. Okay, correction doesn't come to make you righteous. Correction doesn't show up in your life uh, to, to, to to put you in position so you can be in right alignment with the Father. You are righteous. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter five. That's a past tense. That's already taken place. When we come into the kingdom, one step, you're righteous. But the issue is, is we don't have holy actions that line up with a righteous spirit man. The outside still performing and still functioning like the world. And so the correction comes to produce the fruit of Righteousness. What is that? Holiness. 
Just like Jesus said that if you're not producing fruit, you get cut off. And then you'll be pruned so that you can produce more fruit. The correction comes to draw out of you greatness. The correction comes to draw out of you a holy lifestyle. That is why the correction, that's why the chastening shows up. This word chasten means this. To chasten means gentle corrective discipline. Gentle corrective discipline in love with the best interest of the child in mind. That's true correction. Now, look, we're supposed to be watching out for our brothers. We're supposed to be watching out for each other. But it's not to bring up in a prideful sense. Like the Pharisees and Sadducees. It's not for me to point out your sin because I think I'm better than you. I'm pointing out what, where you're, where you need correction because it'll allow you to be greater. It'll allow a holy lifestyle to show up. I correct with the intent of, with your best interest at heart. I like to put it this way. Conviction. The Holy Spirit convicts. Conviction. Is addressing an, in, an, an, an addressing an issue with your best interests at mind. Condemnation is addressing your issue with my best interests in mind. See, the devil comes to condemn. The devil comes to beat you down. The devil's the one that shows up with condemnation, and says you're no good, you're lazy, you're sorry, you'll never get it right, you're messed up, all those things you used to do. God can't forgive all that. Right? That's what the devil does. It's amazing how the same devil, the same devil that entices you to mess up and blow it and do wrong is the same one. As soon as you sin, he's the first one to show up and tell you how bad you are. That's the devil for you. But the Holy Spirit, first of all, Romans 8 verse 1 tells us there is therefore now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. No more is there a correcting. To make myself feel better than you. No the conviction of the Holy Spirit shows up. And the conviction shows up and says hey we know better than that. We can do better than that. We can get this right. What's he doing? He's encouraging you to do the right thing. Not just beating you up over doing the wrong thing. And that's true correction. True correction will build you up not tear you down. Real correction will build you up. Sure, it's not going to feel good when it happens. Correction never feels good. Cutting never feels good. I mean, the the writer of Hebrews said it right here. It is painful. But in the end, we can glory in the produce, the product that because I've been corrected, because I've been chastened. Number one, God reveals to me that he loves me. And number two, he's only trying to cause greatness to come out of my life. I thank God for the people in my life that have corrected me, that have identified areas where I've blown it, missed it, messed up, not reaching 100 percent potential. I thank God for those people. Because they only wanted to see me where I'm at today. And I thank God for those voices that I have in my life that are still allowed to do that. And I listen to them. And look, it doesn't always feel good, but I, I, I've, I've grown to the point now, I've matured to the point now that I know that they just care about me. I know that they see more in me than what I'm producing. And I want that to come out. 
Correction is necessary all across the board. Children have to be corrected. Teenagers have to be corrected. We've got to be corrected sometimes. It's amazing that maturity doesn't automatically uh, grow you out of the stage of having to be corrected. We've got to be corrected in our marriages. We've got to be corrected in how we're handling our finances. We've got to be corrected in our uh, church lifestyle. We've got to be corrected in just being kingdom citizens. This is an ongoing process. We never, we never grow beyond having to be corrected. But thank God, it's because he sees more in us. Number one, we saw that food is necessary for spiritual growth, our diet. Number two, correction. We've got to be corrected. Maturity does not come out unless we have things corrected. If you let a child just do whatever they want all the way on up through life, never correct them. They make terrible adults. It's the bottom line. They make terrible adults. Thank God for his correction. Number three, the last one, is responsibility. Responsibility. It's interesting to note that maturity is not the result of time. Even even as... Uh, You know, even in our own natural life, you may mature physically. But I know some adults that are very immature. (laughs) No, maturity is not determined by time. Maturity is determined by responsibility. It's what can you handle? It's what can you handle? That's why the, 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 the teenager stage. And you can you can literally break down spiritual growth in babyhood, childhood, uh, adolescent, teenager, and then adult. Because there's some teenager Christians out there. And what, what's what's the teenager stage? The teenager stage is where they're ready to take responsibility, but not run with it by themselves. You can have the keys to the car, but you don't have a car. You're, you're not fully taking that on until you prove. Some stuff. Maturity is proven. Maturity is tested. You're not mature just because of time. I've been I've been in church for 10 years. I grew up in church, so I'm automatically mature. It doesn't work that way. Maturity is based upon it's determined by what you apply. It's determined by what can you handle and what can you be responsible for? It's determined by a level of responsibility. Growing old does not equal Growing up. Growing old does not equal growing up physically or spiritually, naturally or spiritually. Just because we grow old in the faith, just because we've been around the word for a long time. Does not automatically ensure. That we can handle the responsibility, look at Psalms, chapter 45. Psalms, chapter 45. We're wrapping it up. Psalms chapter 45. You know, God's got a standard in his kingdom. You can't live in the kingdom of God however you want. And this is why spiritual growth is necessary. See, it's it's, it's required of us to grow up because this is how we make the right influence for the kingdom of God. 
I mean, you all know you wouldn't send a, a baby or a child out to do an adult's work. I mean, none of you would send, uh, you know, your five year old child into work for you tomorrow and say, hey, cover for me. Why? Because they're not going to produce. They're not going to be effective in that area. There's some development in training that's necessary. Psalms 45 verse six says your throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness. Is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God. Your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. God has a God or God is a God of righteousness. God's kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. What do we have a responsibility for? We have a responsibility to live right once we're in the kingdom. And this is where maturity is truly tested. We saw over in Hebrews chapter five, he said uh, uh, the, the milk of the word, that's for the, the ones that have not been skilled in the word of righteousness. What's that mean? They haven't quite figured out how to live out the new life that's on the inside of them. But solid food, solid food is for those that have learned to discern between good and evil. Ultimately, that's where maturity shows up. Maturity, I like to define it this way. Maturity spiritually is when you're able to live the life on your own. Listening to the Holy Spirit for yourself. For example, right now, you know, I I think I've said this even in the past couple services. We're working with Camden. You know, he's three, he'll be turning four in January. And we're, we're teaching him on the whole, don't run out into the road without looking both ways. So as of right now, he is immature. He needs my help. I have to hold his hand and say, okay, we're going to look left. We're going to look right. But hopefully I don't have to do that with Chuck. Hopefully I don't have to hold Chuck's hand when we get to the side of the road and say, okay, Chuck, we're going to look left. We're going to look. Okay, now we can cross. Nope, there's a car coming. No. Why? Because he's mature. He can make the decision. He can make the call on his own without having to have someone else. See, you've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. But the thing is, is when we first come into the kingdom, we're not real good about listening to the Holy Spirit just yet. So we've got people that help us. Hey, no, we we don't live like we don't talk like that. No, that's not how we talk in the kingdom. But maturity shows up when you stop yourself. The Holy Spirit speaks up and says, hey, we don't talk that way. You're right. I'm not going to say that. No, we walk in love. No, we're not judgmental. No, we don't operate in a life of hate. We, we, live the, we walk the, the walk of love. Our God is love. No, we don't respond. We don't gossip about people. We don't do that. And you learn to do that on your Oh, and you don't have to have a pastor or someone that's more spiritually mature that's helping you grow. Come by and say, now, look, you you blew it, man. We we, we don't do that. That's not the kingdom way. This is this is what God wants us to do. There's a difference there. Maturity shows up. First Corinthians, chapter six. First Corinthians, chapter six. Two more verses. We're wrapping it up. First Corinthians, chapter six. Are you getting something tonight? Amen. It's always good to get a refresher on this stuff. It's, it's amazing just even in, in growing how you can forget that I'm growing. 
which means there's things that are necessary. I've got to be paying attention to what is my diet. Am I giving the word of God the attention that it deserves? Am I making intentional decisions with my life that are going to get me to the next level? Or am I still making the same judgment calls that I used to make? Correction. Are we rejecting the correction of God or are we loving it and listening to it and allowing it to cut those things out of our life? And here, responsibility. First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, uh, nor covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. What's he identifying as we mature, as we grow, we don't do and partake of the things we used to do. That is a sign of immaturity. I hope I don't ever see you guys in a restaurant just picking up mac and cheese with your hands and stuffing it in your face or dumping a spaghetti bowl on top of your head. Immature children do that, don't they? We've all seen the pictures. We've all watched America's Funniest Home videos. But I hope that doesn't happen with us as adults. Why? I'm letting go of some things. There's some things that I'm changing. I'm not partaking of the same. As we mature, there is an expectation of outward behavior that should be produced. As I grow, as I mature, as I begin to recognize who I am on the inside, my outward actions ought to change. And Paul noted this. See, we always say, don't judge me. You can't tell me where I'm at. Apparently, Paul was able to tell based upon their actions what level of spiritual growth they were at. And he just straight up called them, you're a baby. You're a big old baby. We haven't grown. I'm supposed to be able to come in here and give you some meat. I was planning on, you know, coming and checking you guys out. And now I'm writing a letter to you guys just letting you know you're just a bunch of carnal babies. You look just like the world. What have you been doing for the last four to seven years is essentially what he's saying. Apparently, my outward action, my outward lifestyle should represent something different as I progress spiritually. Last verse, Second Timothy, chapter two. Second Timothy, chapter two. Second Timothy, chapter two and verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified Useful for the master, prepared for every good work. This is what God wants for us. He wants us to be useful for the kingdom of God. He doesn't want us to be uh, uh, dishes that we just pull out, vessels that we pull out uh, for just regular occasion. And look, this identifies right here. God is not obligated to use you just because you're in the kingdom. This shows us right here. There are some vessels there. They're there. They're available. I can access it. But if you are not of honor material, if you are not a vessel of honor, I'm not obligated to use you. 
And the goal for every believer, the goal for every single person in this room is that we grow up so that we can be used by God. Prepared for every good work. Sanctified. Sanctified means set apart for a specific use. To be sanctified means, oh, I've got something for you. You hold on. I I got something just for you. And God wants us to be sanctified. He wants us to be set apart for a good work, set apart for a call, set apart for a purpose. I believe that God has created every single person in this room, every single person on this planet for a purpose. He has given each of us a destiny, a call. But spiritual immaturity will keep us back. Spiritual immaturity will hinder this. Look, it's just as simple as this. The goal is not getting in the kingdom. The goal is living in the kingdom. I don't want to just get in. Jesus said, I'm the door. I'm the door. I'm just the door. Once you go through the door, there's so much more. We've got so many Christians that are literally standing at the doorway just going, Wow. Wow. And God's saying, come on in. I've got more stuff for you. This is just the beginning. You know, uh, I don't know how many of you have ever been to Disney. But, I mean, the level of excellence that Disney has, it starts in the parking lot. I mean, you could literally just go to get your ticket and be like, whoa, this is awesome. But there's so much more when you enter in to the magical kingdom. When you enter into the real kingdom, imagine how much more there is. He doesn't want to leave us in the hospital room. He doesn't want to leave us on the bed. He doesn't want to leave us at the doorway. He says, I don't want you to just get in the kingdom. I want you to live in the kingdom. And so we've got to grow. We've got to progress. We've got to add to the calling. And that's when our gifts come out. That's when that greatness comes out. That's when that potential really begins to show up in our lives. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you tonight that you have so many great things for us, so many promises, so many blessings that we can't even contain. We can't even count. We couldn't even fathom if you showed it all to us. There'd be no way we could comprehend it. But Father, you have laid out a plan that as we can grow, as we can mature, as we can continue to develop in the kingdom of God and the things of the kingdom of God, That greatness will come out of us. That potential will be put to use. Father, I thank you for every gift. I thank you for every calling. I thank you for every purpose in this room. And I thank you that these individuals will now give themselves, devote themselves to spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. The things that we've grown in, we look at and we're excited about, Father. But we move on towards more. We know there are greater things. Those things that you ask us to cut off, we cut off. We get in your word. We make, we make a regular diet of the daily word, our daily bread. And Father, we take responsibility. Those things that you place in our hands, we're mature enough to be responsible for what you've called us to do. We thank you for this tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.